We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 383 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. You can always follow me on Twitter at Scani Sports. I am a writer for Cheesehead TV, and I've got a great show lined up for you today. I am going to be going over my lead pipe locks to make the 53-man roster for the Packers, uh, from quarterback to special teams and everything in between. I'm really going to be breaking down the players that I think are 100% set to make this team. I'm going to also be giving kind of the guys that are fringe players and then some guys uh, who are really behind the eight ball and are really going to need some things to fall their way in order to make the roster. But my main focus is really going to be on those guys who've already locked up a spot. Um, I'm not going to kind of review uh, you know, this in regards to potential trades or injuries or things like that. Uh, those things, of course, could always change things as time goes on. But as we sit today, which players are 100% set to make this Packers 53-man roster? Before I jump into that, I do need to note that the Packers did make a waiver claim today. Uh, They did claim cornerback Derek Jones from the New York Jets. He is a 6'2", 188-pound 
third-year cornerback from Ole Miss. He was a sixth-round pick back in 2017, playing primarily wide receiver at Ole Miss. Jets transitioned him to cornerback, which is where he had played in high school. Uh, He's played in a total of four games, registering three tackles, and now will be in a pretty stacked cornerback depth chart for the Packers. So uh, talk about kind of coming into a situation where uh, you've got a lot of guys that have played played very, very well for the Packers at the cornerback position, Um, and now he's going to have to come in, learn a new system, pick that up, get to know uh, the players and the roster and and the city and everything like that. So uh, he is completely uh, behind the eight ball at this point and has a lot of work to do if he wants to make some noise. You know, his probable path to the roster, if, if anything, would be through the practice squad where he has, you know, maybe enough time to show out and uh, show that he's at least worthy of that. However, what I will say is we have seen, you know, situations like this, uh, you know, in the past, you know, Chris Banjo was actually an example of uh, a player who got picked up later in the, in the process and late in the preseason, he shined on special teams and then, uh, you know, eventually made the roster and he's still playing in the league today. So, uh, you know, that just goes to show, you know, even though, you know, guys get picked up later in the process, James Crawford was a guy who wasn't even the, you know, one of the Packers initial undrafted free agents a season ago. He also got picked up a little bit later in the process. Tony Brown was a corner who got claimed off of waivers a little bit later in the process, even just last year. So uh, it might be easy to say, uh, you know, players that come in at this point are, you know, they're just so far gone that they don't have a chance to make the team. But we've definitely seen crazier things happen uh, through the course of Packers history. Speaking of which, We are one day removed from the Packers celebrating their 100-year anniversary, and of course, that's why we all do this. That's why you're listening is because we are such an insanely huge fan of the team and uh, just, you know, really cool milestone uh, that they've officially reached that uh, 100-year, you know, birthday, and uh, hopefully this coming season will be a little bit more celebratory than uh, this, you know, the season from last year. So uh, I think that's the hope. That's the goal. Things are off to a great start, Uh, certainly off to a, a good start with new head coach Matt LaFleur. So we'll see where that takes us this year, but happy 100th birthday belated as we're listening to this on Monday. Uh, But uh, happy birthday to the Green Bay Packers, certainly an exciting milestone. But let's jump in. Let's get started right away. Let's talk about the lead pipe locks to make this 53-man roster. And I'm going to start right away with the quarterback position. And this one is, of course, very easy, at least from the top. And that's Aaron Rodgers, uh, breaking news. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers this year. And then it gets really interesting. So Tim Boyle, Deshaun Kaiser, Manny Wilkins, and I would not obviously put any of these players as locks at this point. I will I will say that, you know, Deshaun Kaiser, at least the Packers have given no indication that Deshaun Kaiser is not going to make the team as the backup quarterback at this point. He's been the backup quarterback all offseason. He was the backup quarterback last year. Uh, every, you know, pretty much uh, snap in camp, he's been the number two. I remember maybe one or two sessions where Boyle got some work with the twos, but it's been almost all Deshaun Kaiser. Of course, Kaiser started the last preseason game. And even if you start looking at it from the number three position, well, Tim Boyle definitely seems to have the the stranglehold on that. Uh, Manny Wilkins has even cut into a little bit of those snaps in practice from Tim Boyle. So if you're reading tea leaves in that regards, it would seem that Kaiser's the the number two. Uh, Tim Boyle at this point is the three and Manny Wilkins is just trying to press for as much playing time as he can get to try to make a name for himself. Now, when I watch them play still, 
I see a much more confident player in Tim Boyle than I do in Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, I still see some traits that you like out of Kaiser. You know, Kaiser made a couple big throws in the preseason game that certainly caught my eye. I thought the the anticipation throw to Jake Kumaro on third down was pretty. He had the, you know, the the scramble, which got called back, but he looked super athletic. I thought that was maybe uh, the most athletic that I've seen him look as a Packer. And then, of course, he had the play where he stepped up in the pocket and threw the touchdown to Shep. Now, I, I know that, you know, he got called out a little bit for, you know, kind of getting Shep laid out there, but uh, that was overall a good play for him. He did leave it high and he even admitted that. And, you know, he's got to be careful with that, of course. Uh, but overall, you look at that play as a whole, and that was a, a big time winning play for Deshaun Kaiser. Just navigating getting the pocket, stepping up. And the big thing was keeping his eyes downfield. And then of course, hitting the touchdown pass. And, uh, you know, I, as much as, you know, you've got to, you know, think of player safety first. If I'm Darius Shepard in that situation, throw me that ball. You know, I need to start making a name for myself. And that gives me a huge opportunity to go up and catch a touchdown pass while taking a huge hit and, and, you know, coming down with it and making a big play. So yeah, it it probably stung a little bit and and he was probably feeling it a little bit the next day. Uh, That's a ball that I want if I'm Darius Shepard in that situation. So uh, there's been some signs out of Deshaun Kaiser, uh, but you know, I look, you know, at Tim Boyle and I I thought that he came in, he, he started, he had the fade to Alan Lazard, which he was not successful with with um, on the, you know, the right side of the field. And that was his first throw. And you, you know, he led him too far out of bounds. He came back. I thought he threw a really beautiful back shoulder. I know on the on the game they they kind of gave him a hard time. They wanted him to put that up a little bit more, especially using uh, Alan Lazard's height. But uh, I actually thought it was in a perfect spot where only Lazard could get it. And had it not been for uh, you know pass interference, I think that would have been a pretty easy touchdown. He then comes back and throws a, a really beautiful touchdown pass that Jam- yeah, Jamon Moore dropped, and then comes back on fourth down and throws another touchdown pass to Jamon Moore. So in that scenario, he he almost threw like three separate touchdown passes just only one of them actually counted. And then, you know, comes back the next drive and hits Lazard on the the really big play down the field uh, for the touchdown as well. So really liked what I saw out of out of Tim Boyle. I think uh, in practice, I'll be the first to tell you, and you guys all know how much of a, a Tim Boyle supporter I, I am, uh, but I'll be the first to tell you in practice, and I think he'd be the first to tell you as well. Um, you know, he hasn't always put the ball in the spot that it needs to be. I don't think any of the quarterbacks uh, have, you know, outside of Aaron Rodgers have really stood out at practice uh, the majority of the time, and, and it's definitely a battle here. Uh, you know, some people have made mention of maybe that Green Bay will just, you know, nuke all of it and, and bring in somebody from the outside. I do not see that happening uh, at all, um, simply because it's just not that easy. If you look around the league, the the backup quarterback situation is abysmal. And uh, I I thought actually Kaiser and Boyle performed uh, much better than the majority of the league. If you were kind of watching some of the preseason games over the course of the first week, uh, than what a lot of the backup quarterbacks were. So if I were to handicap this, of course, Aaron Rodgers is making it. Kaiser and Boyle, I I think is still a pick them right now with uh, the, the nod to Deshaun Kaiser at the moment. And I think Manny Wilkins has a long way to go but your lead pipe lock is only Aaron Rodgers at this point. At running back, I have three lead pipe locks. That's Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and Dexter Williams. I just don't see any way where those three don't make their roster again, barring an injury or something like that. I've started to hear some people say, you know, maybe Jamal Williams isn't it. I still see him very much making the roster. I think Dexter Williams over time, I may have the ability to push him for that number two spot. 
I will say the addition of Danny Vitale, um, you know, kind of counterfeits what he really does best. And that's really being that blocking back. Uh, while Jamal Williams has been out, Vitale has been used primarily in that role. So I think that's a little bit interesting. Uh, but I still think Jamal Williams brings enough to this team at this point and has a cheap enough contract that uh, it's not worth replacing him or trying to replace him. And I just don't see anything from Trey Carson, Darren Hall, or Keith Ford at this point uh, that would lead me to believe that Jamal Williams would be expendable. So uh, Dexter, I, I think, has certainly shown enough that he's going to make this team. Uh, he's really struggled with drops the last couple of days in camp. So he, he has a lot of work to do. There, there were a couple runs that I saw people highlighting with Dexter Williams. Um, and I really thought a couple of those were really the, the product of really good offensive line play on those specific runs. Uh, what I will say is he had a couple opportunities one-on-one with the safety in the open field, and he did not make those plays. Um, Matt LaFleur was the first to say after practice that he needs to run a little bit closer to his offensive lineman, be a little bit more decisive in his cuts, uh, press the hole just a little bit more. So uh, Dexter has a, a little ways to go before he's uh, you know fully ready to to carry the load here, which is of course hoping you know something that we're not hoping needs to happen at any point anyway. Uh, but I do think he is a lock to make the team. And then again, we look at those next guys on the roster, Trey Carson, Darren Hall, Keith Ford. You know, Keith Ford just got picked up, Darren Hall, Trey Carson. Uh, both of them have shown some flashes at times, but not enough in any capacity that I think that they're worthy of 53-man roster spots. So this one's pretty easy for me. Lock it in, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and Dexter Williams. At fullback, same thing, super easy. Lock it in. Danny Vitale is making this team. If you've been paying attention to practices or even the reports out of practice at all, uh, you'll definitely know that Danny Vitale has been a major major focal point of this offense. He's kind of been used as an H-back, as a running back, as a fullback. Uh, he, he's been used all over the place. Uh, they've snuck him out and got him on some routes downfield, and he's come up with some big catches. So he is absolutely set to make this team. I know he's fighting an injury right now. Malcolm Johnson hasn't had the worst camp. Um, I, I think that he might have, um, you know, some ability to to have some use in this league, but he, he's far, far and away below Danny Vitale at this point. And I can't imagine a scenario in which they would keep two fullbacks. So uh, this one's pretty easy. Danny Vitale, lock it in. And I think Malcolm Johnson's well behind the eight ball and is going to have a tough time making the team. Wide receiver is, of course, the most interesting of everything that we're going to talk about. I know it's been kind of the the topic of a lot of discussion on our podcast and, and really throughout the team. And this is always the, the kind of funny period for wide receivers. And we've gone through this to an extent almost every year as Packer fans, going as far back as Alan DeGraffenreid, and you can go with your, you know, Tory Gurleys and your DeAndre Burrells and Jake Kumaro last year, Trevor Davis, um, you know, even going back a little bit further with, you know, Ruvel Martin. I mean, this has happened, you know, year over year over year where we get attached to these wide receivers who make some big plays at the bottom of the roster in, in preseason and in training camp and and you know all the fans kind of rally around and and we want them to keep those players. I think the big thing to remember here is there is one surefire star receiver in really good receiver on this team and that's Devontae Adams. I think there's one more player in Marquez Valdez-Scantling that just has way too much upside and way too much talent to, to not make this team. And I think those are your two, but there's one really good receiver. And then I think the, the next five or six are really, really closely related. But I do think that there are you know five total locks at this point that I would really have a tough time seeing not make this team. And that's Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Geronimo Allison, Jake Kumaro, and Equinemius St. Brown. Now, 
EQ is fighting an injury. Um, Allison and Kumaro, I thought Dusty Evely brought up an interesting point saying he, you know, he likes both receivers, but he's not a huge fan of having two players who are so similar on the 53 man roster. And I, I totally get that. I think both of them have enough special teams value. At least Kumaro has been playing on some of the main special teams units. So if they both have that value, I'm okay with it. And ultimately, I, I want the best receivers, even if they are a little bit uh, redundant uh, in and of themselves because injuries are going to happen. But I, I totally see Dusty's point at the same time. But this is really, really an interesting group. I think Kumaro has by far and away done enough to lock up his spot. And I thought Wes Hodkovitz, we were uh, talking at the, the Cheesehead TV tweet up and he said, uh, you know, Kumaro has a better chance of starting than getting cut. And I think he was spot on with that assessment. And, uh, you know, Equinemius St. Brown, he, he has not been on the main units. Of course, he had the, t- you know, touchdown on special teams that was more, you know, right place at the right time than anything else. Um, and I do think he has some work to do. So uh, that being said, I, I still think he has enough upside that I'd be so super surprised if they moved on from him as well, which potentially would leave one spot for what I think is three three players. And that's Trevor Davis, Jamon Moore, and Darius Shepard. And then I think there's three people that are, are too far uh, behind at this point, and that's Malik Taylor, Teal Redding, and Alan Lazard. Now, Alan Lazard starting to sneak in that conversation a little bit. I thought he had a tremendously slow start to camp. I didn't think he did anything for the first you know couple weeks of training camp, family night, any of it. I, I thought he was super quiet, and I thought even in some of the drills, he just looked a little bit step, you know of a step slower than a lot of the other receivers. But we saw in that preseason game, he brings a lot to the table that a lot of these other receivers don't have just with being a mismatch from a size standpoint. And his ability to to box out and go get the football uh, is a unique trait that he has. And he was somebody I really liked coming out of Iowa State. And I was super pumped when they picked him off up off of the Jaguars practice squad. Uh, but I didn't think he had a strong start to camp. But if he continues his play, apparently the last couple of days, he had a, a couple of good days in uh, training camp as well at practice. So uh, he's starting to step up his game. I think he's starting to realize He's got to make that name for himself as well with this really insanely packed wide receiver room. But again, that being said, uh, the five I have is locks. And then Trevor Davis, Jamon Moore, and Darius Shepard really in line for that last spot. Maybe they keep two. And this is really tough to handicap because you start with Jamon Moore, who by far and away has the highest upside. In fact, I think you can argue outside of Devontae and MVS, he's the third most talented, you know, receiver on this team uh, if he reaches his ceiling. But that confidence, I mean, we we saw it last year all throughout preseason, had the strong start to camp. You you know, he was working out in the offseason. You, you saw everything that he brought to the table and then he got into preseason and just zero confidence whatsoever. He dropped a ton of balls, had a ton of opportunities to make big plays and he just couldn't do it. And then the first preseason game, it rears its ugly head again this year where he has the opportunity to make a big catch in the end zone and he doesn't. Now, thankfully, he came back and, and scored a touchdown right after that. But even that was a little bit of a double catch if we're really being... Uh, honest with ourselves there. So uh, apparently after that touchdown, you know, uh, he, maybe he got a little bit momentum. Um, Matt LaFleur was really, really praising him today, saying he thought he brought a entirely new energy uh, to practice today and had a totally different mindset. That's what we're looking for. It's it's time. You know, he needs to make a name for himself. And uh, like I said, he has the upside, but he has to get, find his confidence. And drops have been an issue for him in college as well. Uh, to me, that was one of the main reasons that he lasted until the fourth round is because is of some of those drop issues. Because we know the release is there. We know the, the athleticism is there. He's a skilled route runner. 
He just sometimes makes some mistakes that kind of, you know, just boggle your mind a little bit because he has all that talent. So here's hoping that he puts it together. Uh, And in the meantime, Trevor Davis has a phenomenal camp and we're kind of in the same boat that we've been in forever where pads come on and it's either injuries or inconsistencies. And it hasn't been inconsistencies this time. He's put on, uh, you know, a show at practice and and pretty much every time that he's been on the field, but now he, he has the injury again in the the live kickoff return uh, portion of practice. And hopefully he's back sooner rather than later because he was having such a such a great camp but let's not kid ourselves and think that this isn't a position that or a, a factor when they're looking at this and trying to make final decisions even if he comes back in time healthy if they feel like he's just been hurt too much and that they can't rely on him that that could be a reason to keep him off the roster he's done everything asked otherwise. He's the, the one of the key gunners and special teams players. He's one of their top return, the top return, not one of the top returners. He's the returner on both kick returns and punt returns. There is nobody on this roster that can return the way that Trevor Davis returns. And then uh, he's been really good at wide receiver. Uh, so good that I think you could put a package of, of eight to 10 plays in any given game for him. And I think he could be successful. So He's done a lot of things right. And then, the, you know, the kid out of North Dakota State, uh, Darius Shepard, just continues to make plays day after day in camp as well. And, and he's just getting recognized. And, you know, Ross Uglum hit on this pretty much immediately. There's a lot of players on this team that can play in the slot, but Darius Shepard's the true slot receiver on this team. And he has got a lot of opportunities to play with the ones uh, more than really the the next group, whether it be Malik Taylor, Tio Redding, Alan Lazard. There's been a, a difference there in, in how much he's played. It seems like Aaron Rodgers has kind of grown a little bit fond of Shepard. He had a, a little celebration with him after a big play uh, on Saturday in practice. So Shepard's making a name for himself. And I, I really am intrigued to see how, how they separate these three. But at this point, I think there's five locks. That's more of what I'm focused on today. So I'm going Adams, MBS, Allison, Kumaro, and EQ. And I think that last one to two spots is going to be super, super intriguing. Tight end, Jimmy Graham, Robert Tanyan, Jay Sternberger. I don't think there's any question there, uh, barring injury. Those three are going to make the team. Pharaoh McKever and Evan Bayless are not making this team. I'm sorry to both of them. Um, I certainly uh, hope that they make a big name for themselves the rest of training camp and maybe can find a spot somewhere else, but uh, they are just not in line to make the roster at this point in time. And Mercedes Lewis is the only question mark here. And this is a question of whether they keep four tight ends or just three tight ends. If they keep four, it's it's going to be Lewis. They, there's some cap savings there if they would move on from him. I don't think he's done anything in camp that would you know make me say that he is a, a player that needs to be on this team. I think Robert Tanyan stepping up and uh, really becoming a better blocking tight end is, is something that's really important. I think Danny Vitale being used in some of that H-back role, I think has been really important. And I think some of those things may clear the way to move on from Mercedes Lewis. This is a player that is not going to help them long-term. This is either you know them taking him this year to be uh, a blocking tight end, maybe you know, 10 to 15 snaps a game, or they move on from him and uh, they they go a little bit younger and and hope that Jay Sternberger and Robert Tanyan can step up. Now, Sternberger's got to get healthy in order for that even to be in question, but I think he's going to be healthy sooner rather than later. At least that's the hope. So if that's the case, I think there's a real opportunity here that they could go with three tight ends and then the fullback and Danny Vitale. So three locks, Graham, Tanyan, and Sternberger. On the offensive line, this is another really interesting position. At this point, I think there's five players and five players only that are locks to make this team. 
And that's really your four main starters, Corey Lindsley, David Bakhtiari, Brian Balaga, and Billy Turner, and then Elton Jenkins. Those five are complete locks to make the team. There are two players that I do not think have any chance of making the team. That's Anthony Coyle and Gerhard DeBeer. And I know a lot of fans are going to be upset that DeBeer is not going to make the team. I think he still has an outside chance as a practice squad guy, but he's really, really struggled in camp and in preseason so far. And then uh, there's really a a group of players that are in line for those next probably four spots, I would say. And that's Cole Madison, Justin McRae, Lucas Patrick, Lane Taylor, Adam Pankey, Yash Nijman, and Alex Light. And I think the the most interesting one to discuss here is Lane Taylor. And I, I would argue that it's either start or bust for Lane Taylor. And maybe, maybe that's not the case. Um, Lane Taylor has been the starter. Elton Jenkins has got some snaps with the ones. Um, basically, they've said that this is a, a competition, that they want Lane Taylor to step up. Uh, Matt LaFleur said today that they, he thought Lane Taylor did a tremendous job of stepping up since they put him on the spot and told him that it was a competition. So uh, I think he's still in line for a roster spot at this point, but uh, he, he gets to be a little bit expensive if he's not going to be the starter. If he's a starting guard, uh, you know he's a he's a bargain. If he's a backup guard or a backup offensive lineman, he's pretty expensive for a backup offensive lineman. So that becomes really interesting. I still think he makes the team because if you release him, you've got the five starters, and then there's nobody that you really trust in that next group. You know, Alex Light and Cole Madison, Justin McRae, Lucas Patrick. Some of those guys have so, shown some flashes, but. I don't think there's anyone that you necessarily trust wholeheartedly. So uh, I do think that, you know, Lane Taylor's in a good spot right now, but I could totally see a scenario where they feel like if, if Elton Jenkins is ready to start, which by the way, he he probably is, I think he's that good to, to start right now, that they could walk away and try to save that money. So interesting scenario there. Cole Madison and Alex Light are the next two that I want to talk about. I think we've seen some some really nice flashes from both of these players. Alex Light and Tim Boyle are both in interesting situations where Green Bay basically, in a, in a season where they really needed to perform last year, thought so highly of Alex Light and Tim Boyle that they kept them on the roster for all of last year. They were on the 53 all year. And they basically knew that those two were never, ever going to see the field. So they thought that those two players specifically had enough upside that by this point in time, they would be ready to make contributions. They basically went with a 51-man roster last year simply because they thought that Alex Light and Tim Boyle had that much upside and that much talent that they didn't want to see those two players off the team. So this is the opportunity to pay that off. I think Alex Light's in a phenomenal spot to make this team He's probably the closest to a lock of anyone in this group, but I'm not ready to put it on him quite yet. But he's played at tackle. He's played at guard. Uh, I think he can play all across the line of scrimmage. And I I think there's a really good chance that he's, if not the top backup, one of the top backups on game day. So he's in a really good spot. Cole Madison, they've desperately been trying to uh, have basically win one of those center positions. They've really been trying him there. I think what they're ultimately trying to do is just give him more positional versatility, which makes him more valuable, which makes him potentially able to be activated on game day. And any of those things are going to make it much more likely that he makes the roster. He has had a massive struggle trying to snap the ball, um, you know, when it's been out of shotgun. He's had high snaps and low snaps, and it's been a real issue for him. So if he can't play center, 
I don't think they feel like he can play tackle. He hasn't played tackle in the NFL in practice or training camp yet. Uh, They've played him primarily at guard and center. So if he's just a guard, that limits his value. But I still think the two players with the most upside here on the bench uh, are Light and Madison. So I think they're in good spots to make the team. Yash Nijman, uh, he just looks the part. He's so raw, but I could see him having a redshirt season where they don't really want to, you know, uh, have him try to clear waivers to sneak on the practice squad. I could legitimately see a situation uh, in which they they do a very similar situation to, uh, you know, Alex Light from a season ago, where they they basically redshirt him and keep him on so they don't lose him. Um, Justin McRae, Lucas Patrick, Adam Pankey. We basically know what these guys are. I think McCray gives you the most versatility. He's played left tackle, right tackle, center, guard. He's played everywhere. He hasn't been particularly good at any of those, but he's looked, uh, he's at least been serviceable at pretty much all of those positions. So I, I think he has some some opportunity there, but only five guys that I'm willing to lock up. And again, that's Lindsley, Jenkins, Bakhtiari, Bulaga, and Turner. On the defensive line, uh, there's only four. Montrevious um, Adams, Kenny Clark, Kingsley, Kiki, and Dean Lowry. Those four to me are locks with Tyler Lancaster being the next in line after that. Fadol Brown, it's been tough to tough to tell. He came out gangbusters at the start of training camp, found himself hurt, and then uh, really hasn't been back since then. I thought he showed some flashes late last season. I thought James Looney had a really strong preseason performance this last game. Those are the three that I think are, are fighting for one, maybe two roster spots. And like I said, I definitely think Lancaster's in the lead, but I would expect one to two of those players also to make the team. Deion Simon and Olive Sagapulu uh, from Wisconsin, I, I do not see either of those players making the team. Simon's had a pretty decent camp, good first preseason game. Uh, he's the second oldest player on defense uh, besides Tremont Williams, and uh, just don't see the upside there. So I think he's going to have a tough time making the team. So four locks with Adams, Clark, Kiki, and Lowry. On the edge, same thing, four locks, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Zadaria Smith, and Kyler Fackrell. That probably either they keep four that does it with keeping just four. Maybe they, you know, have one more on there with either Reggie Gilbert or Randy Ramsey. I think those guys are in the discussion for that next spot. And while I think, you know, Greg Roberts has been on the pup this entire time, I think uh, he just probably isn't going to have enough time to make enough impact to make a name for himself, even if he does get back soon. And then Marcus Jones, again, somebody that they just picked up. I actually thought Marcus Jones has looked pretty nice, but I just don't think he's in line for a roster spot. He's probably fighting more for one of those practice squad positions. So I think this is pretty easy. Um, you know, Ben Fennell had a pretty scalding take on Kyler Fackrell's per, first preseason game. And uh, I trust Ben more than I trust pretty much anyone else in this business. And, uh, you know, if he if Ben said that Fackrell had a really uh, tough first game, I certainly believe him. I have not gone and specifically watched Kyler from that first game. That being said, he, he's making only $2 million. He had 10 sacks a season ago. He's a core special teams player. I can't imagine a scenario in which he doesn't make the team. So I think those four are pretty good locks with probably Gilbert or Ramsey taking one more. Um, although I, I could see a scenario in which they only go with four guys. So it'll be worth keeping an eye on. At linebacker, uh, to me, only two players are locks, Blake Martinez and Ty Summers. And with Oren Burks uh, potentially being out for the year, uh, that's a, a massive uh, thing to keep an eye on and a massive issue. And this is uh, certainly something where the depth of this inside linebacker group is going to be really tested. I've liked what I've seen out of Curtis Bolton. James Crawford is a core special teams guy. 
Brady Sheldon's shown a couple flashes, but I think he's I think he's more of a practice squad candidate. I don't think he's in line for a shot. But uh, Summers showed enough in that first preseason game that he's going to make this team. That even if he struggles the next couple of games, he is by far and away showed enough that he is going to make this roster because the talent is there. I mean, that was a, a impressive performance. Uh, I posted a, a tweet out today just kind of highlighting his entire game. And there's three or four plays that he'd really like to have back, but there are some massive flash plays for an inside linebacker. And uh, he, he he basically has shown enough already that even if he uh, shows that he's not ready to play this year, there's, there's just too much talent there to give up on. You, you don't find a gem like that in the seventh round and then give up on him after the preseason. He's he's making this team. So Martinez and Summers are locks. Bolton and Crawford are certainly well in line for a spot. You would expect them to, to try to pick up some more depth in the near future here. And I just don't think Brady Sheldon's in line for a spot at this point. That brings us to cornerback. And I think this position is, is fairly well spoken for, uh, but there's been two guys that have started to make a little bit of a name for themselves as well. So the, the six spots that I think are, are locks at this point, Jair Alexander, Tony Brown, Kadar Hallman, Josh Jackson, Kevin King, and Tremont Williams. Let me start with Kevin King. If he's hurt, he'll be on you know IR or they'll wait till he's healthy. There is less than 0% chance that Kevin King gets cut. I don't care the injuries that he's had. There's no chance they're giving up on that. I've seen some whispers of that on Twitter that uh, that they need to move on from Kevin King. That's just simply not happening. The dude is way too talented and has had uh, a good camp and has been good when he's been out on the field. So they're not moving on from Kevin King. Uh, the only chance that he's not on the 53 is if he's on IR uh, or something of that nature. So He's going to be on this team. Uh, Tremont has been the the starting slot uh, pretty much from the start of camp, and he doesn't seem like he's going anywhere, even uh, when they've only been in in two corner sets, especially with King out. uh, Tremont's been the guy that's been on the field. In fact, I think even with King in there, I'd have to go back and look. Tremont's played a ton, and it certainly doesn't seem like like he's going anywhere. So Josh Jackson finally was back healthy at practice, so that's super exciting. Kadar Hallman has absolutely looked the part as a late-round rookie, which is exciting. Tony Brown had another massive day at practice uh, yesterday. So uh, just super excited about this group as a whole. I think they're really coming together. And then you've had two guys like KB and Ento and Chandon Sullivan who have really made a name for themselves as well. I think Ento is a lock for the practice squad. Uh, talk about a guy who's started at you know wide receiver in college. They're transitioning to corner. I think he's way ahead of schedule as a cornerback and they have to be impressed with what he's done so far. Uh, but uh, I don't think he's a 53-man roster player at this point, but really keep an eye out for him as a practice squad guy. And then Chandon Sullivan, I think you can make a strong argument that nobody has made bigger plays in camp than Chandon Sullivan. He's had interception after interception. He's been all over the place. He's had big pass breakups. So he has had as good of a camp as you could possibly imagine. The question will be is, is the talent and upside there for them to feel like they really want to keep him on the 53? And again, it could just ultimately become a numbers game when you've got six guys who are pretty much locks already to make this team. So those are two names to keep an eye on. I think they'd love both of them on their practice squad. Um, and I think Ento is a good, a really good bet for that. I don't think he's going to get claimed anywhere. But Sullivan might have just too good a tape where eventually he gets claimed somewhere. But uh, I think both of those guys are pretty good bets for the practice squad at the end of the day. Uh, Will Redmond, Derek Jones, and Idair Rouse, I, I think just uh, too far gone at this point. Redmond's had a pretty good camp and wouldn't shock me if he somehow got in the conversation as a hybrid safety cornerback, but I uh, just don't see it at this moment. That moves us to safety. Three players, absolute locks, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, and Raven Green. 
three players that I think are fighting for one spot in Josh Jones, Natrell Jamerson, and Ibrahim Campbell. You know, Campbell's going to have to get back healthy first. Jamerson's had some ups and downs. I thought he had a little bit of a tough uh, preseason game, and uh, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sold on Natrell Jamerson. Let me put it that way. I think if Josh Jones is healthy, he's that fourth safety slash hybrid linebacker. I think Jones's odds of making the team are even better now that they're so slim at linebacker. And there's nothing at this point to to give reason that Josh Jones wouldn't be on this team, other than you know the fact that he had he had kind of asked off the team earlier in the the preseason. But it seems like they've kind of let bygones be bygones, and uh, I think he's trending towards a roster spot. Uh, but I, I'll probably would predict those four, but only three that I'm locking up in that Savage Amos and Raven Green, who, by the way, Raven Green's had a fantastic offseason, and, and people should be very excited about what he's done so far. Special teams, this one was interesting. I almost didn't lock up anybody, but I'm going to lock up J.K. Scott. I just don't think that they're going to find anyone on waivers that they would probably prefer over J.K. Scott. So uh, Scott's going to be my one lock here. Mason Crosby and Hunter Bradley, both very strong bets. I think Bradley's performed better. I think he's been uh, much more accurate on his snaps. And I thought, you know, he got down downfield and had a tackle this last game on special teams. Uh, he shows enough athleticism. So they spent a draft pick on him. The odds that they release him are, are very, very slim. Uh, but he did struggle, I think, in 2018. So not ready to lock him up. And while I, I thought there was a good chance for Sam Ficken uh, to maybe really push Mason Crosby, I just don't think he's been good enough so far. So uh, I think Mason Jason Crosby's really trending towards a lock, but not quite ready uh, to put my stamp of approval on that quite yet. So my only lock is J.K. Scott. I think Mason Crosby and Hunter Bradley are trending in the right direction and just don't see Sam Ficken making it at this point. So to recap, that locks up 38 out of 53 spots, including Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Dexter Williams, Jamal Williams, Danny Vitale, Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Geronimo Allison, Jake Kumro, Equinemia St. Brown, Jimmy Graham, Robert Tanyan, Jay Sternberger, Corey Lindsley, Elton Jenkins, David Bakhtiari, Brian Bulaga, Billy Turner, Montrevious Adams, Kenny Clark, Kingsley Kiki, Dean Lowry, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Kyler Fackrell, Blake Martinez, Ty Summers, Jair Alexander, Tony Brown, Kadar Hallman, Josh Jackson, Kevin King, Tremont Williams, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, Raven Green, and J.K. Scott. So 38 spots spoken for, 15 still up for grabs, two of those on special teams. And again, I think it's fairly safe to say at this point, Crosby and Hunter Bradley. Uh, So that would only leave 13 position spots still up for grabs. And even that is, is, is maybe a little bit aggressive. Maybe I played it just a little bit safe here today. But those are my locks to make the team. Tell me on Twitter where I was wrong. Hit, hit me up uh, specifically on Twitter at Scani Sports, or you can always hit us up at Packaday Podcast on Twitter as well. Of course, today's show was brought to you by The Ticket King. Time is running out to get your 10% off, so make sure to go to theticketking.com today. Find the Packer tickets that you want most for this season. Go out and get them before they're gone. Use promo code PACKADAY and get your 10% off right now. Again, that's promo code PACKADAY. No dashes, no spaces, and don't miss out on this great opportunity. Please go out and support our friends at The Ticket King and get your 10% off today. That does it for me. Thank you so much for listening in. Make sure to check us out again tomorrow for an all new episode as of course we are a 365 day a year podcast. So never miss any. Make sure you are getting the best, greatest, most recent uh, information of any podcast out there uh, at the Packaday Podcast. We appreciate your support. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.